officially start here. Episode 313 of No Laugh Track Podcast. I'm Justin Severson, the host, and I'm here with, let's see, what are your names again? No, you've been here a few times. It's Chris Bliss and Josh Weinstein are here with me. Hello, fellas. How are you, man? Very good. Three thirteen down, and how many more to go? Do we know? <laughs> I, I, I hope uh, until I decide, and not somebody else. So I don't know. Good for a really, really long time, hopefully. Or perhaps until Jesus calls you home. Well, what did we uh, on the? Does Jesus have a podcast network? Now? Yes, he does. <laughs> I mean, I Boy, think does he? We only have like thirty more years of light existence. What did I see the other day? Twenty more years, thirty more years of existence, and the planet's gone. So I guess until then. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. We could do another twenty episodes. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I got thirty years left. So. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. No. Uh, fair enough. I was here last night. Really? Oh, were you? I was. Oh, that was kind. Of, that was a fun show. Uh-huh. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh huh. I didn't <laughs> wait. That seems passive aggressive. No, I didn't. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, I, I, what if I said I liked it? No, <laughs> that's even better. It was pretty good, man. No, first I want to actually tell you about uh, something that happened when I was uh, waiting outside to get in to the show, like okay. outside, just right outside the doors. There, there's the uh, right outside the club. There's a sign that has the upcoming shows. This week's show, upcoming. Uh, you know. Right. Comics are going to be performing here. And then there's a little poster for the podcast. Nice. It's been there for years, right? I've been doing this like know, six years or something. It's been there a long time. I've been waiting to get in, and the people next to me waiting in line, the woman, it was a couple, and the woman goes, I can see her staring at the sign with the podcast. And she goes to her, I don't know, significant other there, this guy. She said, have you ever listened to that? And before he had a chance to listen, she goes, is it boring? <laughs> How is that fair? It's yeah. It's not. Uh, it's just the word podcast. Podcast boring. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's the you know generic association. Well, and it's called no laugh track. So that she equated that with no laughter. Oh, well, it's too late to change that. It is. It's I'm just saying. I'm just speculating. It's way too. I late can't to put change. myself into the mind of that woman. Yeah. We know it wasn't a deep mind, clearly. <laughs> so he didn't even get a chance to answer that. and then she, But then she sort of redeemed herself in front of me, not knowing that I'm listening, the one that's connected to it, uh, and said, well, I mean, I guess it's a good idea to do a show like that, you know, for people that you want to come see that you're interested in. Like, well, oh, yeah, thanks. There you go. Thanks. I can feel a little bit better now, but I'm curious. If you got, either of you were in this situation where someone's talking about something you work on that's close to your heart, and you overhear it, would you ever say anything? Um, no. No? Not in that situation? No, for sure not. If it was, if there was some way to create, like, a good moment out of it, maybe, you know what I mean? It's like, that could only be an uncomfortable moment. <laughs> yeah, for so, both of us. Yeah. So I would, no, I would be, I would be, I would collect the data the same way you did. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I would remain fly on the wall. Okay. Um... Or you could have said, you know, I've listened to every single one, and it's hit or miss, but, you know, it's got its moments. Trust me, on my drive home last night, I thought of a million things of how it could have gone. What if I would have said something like that? Pretend, you know, yeah, pretended I was just some listener. Like, you know what, guys? I really like it, actually. should give it a shot. You know, I got to juggle to a Beatles song on on the stage at the Ed Sullivan Theater. 
for an arthritis foundation telethon or something. Yeah. And for me, this was a huge thrill. And I did a pretty good performance. I was pretty young at the time. Pretty good performance. I don't think I dropped any. You know, I'm, 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 I'm where the Beatles have performed doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty happy with myself. And I'm at the after party. And I hear the producer and the uh, assistant producer or whatever the... Do they have assistant producers? No. The it producer and the producer's <laughs> assistant. Let's do that. Uh, they're talking about the show uh, or the talent coordinator and the producer. And they're just going, Jesus, I hated that juggling act. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I would in that case, I, my feelings were so crushed that that's why I would say nothing. So there's also that option of the feelings crushed, you know, crawl away into your own mm -hmm. home. I see that your yeah. own hole of insignificance, but I was much younger. I know that would never occur to you, Josh. No, I would have. I would have just gone, yeah, me too, and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Um, so that was that. I wouldn't say my feelings were crushed, but uh, well, it wasn't an actual judgment. It was a prejudgment. How can you get? Yeah. You know, uh huh. How, how can you be crushed by that? Yeah. I guess maybe a little level of frustration, but in any case, then I came in to see your show and things got way better. That's good. Uh, I, I wasn't sure which way he was going to go. <laughs> things got way, and I was like, ah. <laughs> I didn't listen to a word. All her words were ringing in my head yeah, the entire right. show. <laughs> I'm going to have to come back. Is that boring? Is that I came boring? up with seventy-five clever retorts. <laughs> is that boring? That's right. Can you blame is me? That boring. <laughs> I was so distracted. I missed everything you guys said. Yeah, so, what do you think of the show? I liked it. I, now, remind me, when I came last time you guys were doing the week together, did you have, were you using openers? Have you ever used no. openers? No, it's no, always right. been just the two of you doing the night. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay. Was uh, that ever, whose decision was that from the beginning? Well, the first time we tried, we would go on and off stage. Somebody would come out and then go off and go, hey, Chris, come on, and hey, Josh, come on. And then by the end of the week, I think you said, this is just silly. Why don't we? This just, is too many steps for why us. Why don't we just stay on stage together? Well, it's disconcerting. It didn't exactly help continuity. Yeah, well, I mean, because the show was born out of cowardice, because the reason we did this show the first time was I wanted to come back and headline, but I, hadn't, I didn't have any chops. I had been away doing TV writing for a couple of years, and I really just hadn't been doing stand-up much. And so I wanted to come back and work the room again. Um, um, but I didn't have an hour together, and I couldn't count on myself to pull it off. Okay. So I asked Chris if he would co-headline with me, and I concocted this idea where we'd just trade off doing 10-minute sets so I could get my shit together between sets, and then he, you know. Yeah. And then did it last the first week? or by Yeah, the it did last the first and, week. But the and second then, time, well, it was like, well, why don't we just stay on stage together, and, and at least we can have some rapport. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, you know? you know, and for years we did that, and we sort of traded off 10- and 15-minute sets. But now we're just kind of freestyling a single set together kind of now we're we're jumping it you know we aren't we aren't waiting 10 minutes to talk you know we're going bit to bit and going if i have something that logically follows here i'm going to throw it in yeah and try and that's kind of how i've characterized this week now is like we're doing one set together yeah has this been discussed or are you no, just hammering this just, out right just, now in front no, of me we're, we're this is how this week is played <laughs> you know we, but it we was can, intent, we, but it wasn't are, there was an intent to do it just to have something yeah. organically i mean we have a good time when we're just together yeah you know and to uh and to have a, a little elements of that, but also he's got things that, that he's been working on, and I've got some stuff that I don't get to say uh, for my corporate crowds. Right. You know, so. 
Yeah, I mean, it's easier to toss out a bit that might not work if you know that someone else is going to jump in with one that does immediately afterwards. Right, you know? right, so, right. So it does give me that freedom to, you know, to be tangential. How Remind me now, how long were you not doing stand-up before you started doing this again with Chris? Um, I think we started doing this maybe 2002-ish. I think it was later my mo- than that, My mom was still alive yeah. the first time we did it. And that she wow, died in 2005. Seems, I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, let's say 2004. Okay. Um, I just don't think it was 2002. Maybe not. Uh, but I had done, you know, I had performed here. There was probably two years where I didn't do any to speak of. Yeah. Where I don't think I came here. Um, I played I played here throughout, like, and it was probably, like, the end of the 90s. Um that I took off, I would say. So, but there were years where this was my only road gig. Right. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, But you started doing more uh, spots around L.A. in, what, the last five years? Yeah, pretty much. Something like that. And uh, that's been... I mean that's obviously a gut. And I I think, well, really, it was the it was the doc. It was the doc that gave me the the sort of extra injection of like, holy, this is who I am. You know, I am a comic, and he got the swine comedy flu. (laughs) But it did it. it You know, because I had to figure out what do I want to say about stand up. This movie was my love letter to stand up, essentially. You know, so in 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 all of that thinking and in feel you know and the fact that this trip was represented so much of what I love about stand up you know the way lewis approaches it the friendship that lewis and i have these guys that have been raised right in this club yeah. you know chad yeah. and pete you know and the guy and the way that you know chad and tom and you know and and all the friendships that formed on the road in that short intense time mm-hmm. it's like these are all the, the deceit real- the trickery <laughs> the betrayal these are all the really, all of it's there you know these are all the things that you don't necessarily think about when you think stand-up comedy but they are the things that make it like they're the best a, part it makes it a cool life mm-hmm. you know now the last time you were here josh was yeah. for was earlier this year People don't remember yes, Crash and Burn Week. Yes, where you were forced to do new material, come up with new stuff. Yes, twenty minutes. Are you using anything Absolutely, from that week? Yeah. You are. I did stuff last night. Yeah, okay. For sure. Um, yeah. In fact, I've you know, I probably will trot out some form of most of it this week. You know, I haven't been doing. I haven't. You know, none of it's front burner stuff necessarily. Okay. Like if I do a 10 minute set, only a couple things make it in. Gotcha. But uh, there's stuff that I, I'm sort of, you know, taking out of the case and going, you know, now that it's less of a frenetic, you know, it was a different, you know, it's, I feel much more relaxed doing this show because in that show you don't have the option of using old material. Right. So, and you also don't know how I would assume that the room could go either way depending on how well the person in front of you. Kind of, but no, I mean, it was all headliners who, you know, no one ate it ever, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that stark. Crash and Burn Week here is a vibe completely unique. Yeah. Right? It sounds like a fun vibe. Yeah, it it is. A very uh, attuned audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone's into it, and everyone knows what they're watching. Yeah. So it it, it is a very fun week, and I had a good time. But, yeah, I kept a lot of it. Well, Tim Slagle would be very happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm using stuff? Yes. Yeah. 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 Goes along the whole point of doing that, I guess. I've had to upgrade some of it since then, you know, but... uh, 
but you know, it's I didn't I didn't write it in any different way than I would write material for normally. So it sure. it has the same structural integrity of other jokes. You know? Yeah. But uh, right before we started recording today, you said uh, Lewis was standing here, and you said something about the senior high school seniors night yes. last night. Yes. Let's talk about that. Um, well, there was three high school seniors. Three hundred? That's amazing. Uh, no, I don't think. We... <laughs> How did they all fit in here? <laughs> Uh, they fit in just like I fit in in high school. Fit in the Wow, that was good. That was a nice one. A good one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, it was fun, you know. It's I, I, They asked me to do it, and they said, you know, we're going to do the high school night, and then, uh, the, you know, they're going to stay for the show. And I'm like, do you really want to bring high school in for the oldest fucking dude act of, <laughs> you know, for the 110-year-old act? <laughs> Uh, well, you guys do announce your ages during the uh, set last I night. Am, Both yeah. of you did. Yeah. I bend the curve towards justice. Well, no, wait a minute. That's, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Um, so, but they were, you know, because I started as a 15-year-old, they thought that the, I think they, that was the hook. Well, yeah. I mean, I was wondering, like, did you give them grief? Like, why you guys don't already have careers at this yeah, age? You're 18 I, I, and you're not three years in already? I What's went, your problems? I, I had to go tough love with yeah, them. Right. but. Uh, no, it was, you know, they, it was fun. They were interested, and they were. Uh, there was one guy who actually listens to my podcast with Andy Kindler called Thought Spiral, who's like a regular listener of that. So he already kind of knew me. You know? Yeah, and uh, you know, and he's clearly a young comedy soul. You uh-huh. know? So I was very, you know, I'm, you know, why would I be anything but encouraging to these kids? But my message to to anyone young who I talk to now is make stuff. You know, make stuff. You have to make stuff. You have to finish stuff put it in the world and then make the next thing and finish it you know Mm -hmm. and find people to to come you know to find other people yeah find people who have a love of the game and make stuff together and then you can all sort of rise through all of it together you know and and learn from the other people as well so that's a big win-win all the way around people but but it's the one piece of power you can keep let's see you know the The only thing you control is your own productivity Right, you know, and if you have skill sets, you know, to make stuff, then no one can tell you you can't make stuff. You yeah. Know? Have you did? Were you involved with that yesterday, Chris? Were you talking to him? No. No, they want to keep me away from the uh, high school <laughs> kids. Not for the reason you think. They can't handle the whiff of death. <laughs> That's true. I'm too. It's like. It's like I'm already I'm I'm already in my second adolescence, heading towards the second childhood, and it's you know they don't want to see that far down the road. Uh, I want to go back to last night the um, when you <laughs> when you did a little pre-sell of the little tease of the uh, grand finale, basically like just get ready, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you didn't like that showcraft. No, I agree. <laughs> it it, it uh, how do I say it? It lived up to it. Good. Uh, it lived that, up to oh, it, yeah, I, and again, I don't want to. I don't want to give for people who haven't seen the uh, the old finale. I don't want to give anything away, but I don't remember your pr- participation, Josh. No, we never past. did this. this well, uh, with this one, we always version. did too. We did that, and then we did the Fat Boy Slim, which I came out. And, right, right. Yeah. I, yep. And before that, he did his own. Uh, it's Chris juggling. It's not a big. Medley. It's not a big spoiler. We oh, have to do. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Okay. But uh, but this is nice. It's fresh for both of us, so it's nice. Yeah. It's a lot fewer words too. And he found the karaoke version. 
Okay, I was curious Online. about that. Yeah, I had to go through a few because I need. I know. I know what Chris is listening to when he's juggling, and I needed to make sure those parts were in the mix because not everyone is. Not every karaoke track is that faithful. <laughs> so I really had. To, I know and they're real close on the times. Yeah, I mean, like you know, within a second and four minutes and something. So it's like, all right, that's good. Yeah, the tempo that's seemed about right. The tempo it's right. a little bit bass deficient, but yeah. uh, but I know. But like I said, I know what Chris is listening to when he's doing his hits. So I, I just had to make sure those. Were there? They wrote that for me. A lot of people don't know, that, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that was written for me before anyone knew I existed. Is kind of a you know prescient. That's incredible. Uh, inspirational. That's yeah. incredible. You should really be pushing that knowledge to people. It makes yeah. it even more impressive. <laughs> but uh, it's fun because you you know for years I had to go backstage for that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we, uh, it's just fun. All, all it just feels like a really nice thing for us to finish our show with is uh, just that particular marriage. Well, and and it's you know the sentiment is the maudlin showbiz sentiment. Yeah, of course. You know, what love, do you mean? The love you take is equal to the love you make. That's sure, not showbiz. <laughs> it is in the context of a finale. Yeah, well, I guess so. I always thought of it as Buddhism. So. Anyway, leading up to a week to doing a week of shows at Acme, Chris, do you have to do a lot of practicing, or is it just like riding a bike with juggling? Oh uh, no, I just work out. Just you know, I mean, I had a surgery earlier in the year on my right hand, so I, I uh, for something called Dupatrins, which means that uh, 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 it means that I don't need to do twenty three in me because somewhere in my past, a Viking raped one of my ancestors because <laughs> it's an indication of Scandinavian blood. And I had to work back a, a little bit from that, from the, you know. When you brought that up last night, I, I for a second, I thought, is he saying this to, like, let everybody, to uh, slowly let everybody down, that the juggling's not coming for people waiting for that? Like, <laughs> slowly let everybody down. <laughs> like, well, I mean, here's how I'm going to break it to you. It's during during my act that I'm, I my hand is up. Now I'm only yeah. doing left-handed juggling. Right. Yeah, Jeopardy theme song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but no, I don't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. If I, you know, if I, re- I had to do some rehearsifying like the old days. Put on some headphones and stand in my high ceiling living room, and yeah. you know. Uh, but the shadows on the wall were frightening. <laughs> I had to stop after uh, so it's you can't you know. And that song and this ceiling, I know very well. So this one's just a matter of just trying to uh, get in the groove with you and the whole thing so right. that's true the low ceilings here that people always talk about how great they are for comedy don't aren't necessarily the best for so someone throwing balls yeah. in the air <laughs> added level of uh, difficulty yeah challenge it just makes oh look 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 he's working people invent all sorts of stuff i used to have like when they used to have three or four different colors of tennis balls i had three or four different colors of tennis balls and i'd start with one of you know three different colors right yeah and i dropped a ball or two, right? And people would come, hey, I saw when you changed colors, man. And they go, yeah, yeah, can't get it, can't fool you. What? You know, yeah, I saw you change colors there, man. That was so cool. Uh, wow, you are value adding. Kind of, it is smart, though. You are value adding. It's a smart way to make it look deliberate. <laughs> it was, no, I just liked the, I thought they could follow the patterns better with sure. different things to, you know, or the lack of patterns. Now, this is going to be the last week you guys do together, right? That's what we're saying. Yeah. No, no, like, no, you're saying. No, you know, I, they're. Uh, Until one of us needs a medical benefit. We said we. That's the, that's the, that's the thing we've It got. was our, it is our intention coming in that it is our last week. Okay. And that's what I told Lewis, so. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, there's no, it's just kind of, you know, we've done it now and, and we both like our solo weeks here so mm-hmm. much that, 
you know, that the experiment has fulfilled itself. And I think this week has really has been so far these two shows have been the the truest extension of our intent. Okay. And that it really is we're both thinking on our feet the whole show, you know. Instead of, we'll try to keep instead it of real. turning on and off, you know. We we'll try to keep it real, Justin. Okay. <laughs> That's what we're doing this week. We try Other to keep big it real. Besides the leaving stage and, you know, not staying together, are there big differences between when you first started this to now? I think just in general, our approach to each other. Yeah. Like what? You know, more engagement, much more engagement, much less uh, your turn, my turn. Uh, and just some some playful stuff and things that come in different every night. So, yeah. Well, I think it was. Plus, Josh is a whole lot better than he was. That's you know? true. I mean, I'm and a better, really, I'm in a... the last three years, you know, just a, and and now the physical thing also it, it really helps you one way or another. It just is an extra added level of energy. Yeah. And after the back surgery, a whole other level. The force of nature, tip top shape, yeah. huh? But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there was because there were years where it was like this was my only gig. There, you know, I, I it would take me two nights to get anything like chops yeah, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, and I'd always get it by the end of the week. But then I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm, now I'm done for a year. Yeah, and, you know, so since the doc, right? You've been pretty much. Yeah, more. I've been a lot more. And active. you're doing the podcast with Andy, which is sort of like this show, only without an audience, right? No, the podcast has made a difference, too, just in my ability to keep talking and my ability to have faith that I'll get to something funny, you know? I always had that faith sort of internally, but I'm more willing to talk longer without a laugh. And, yes, and as I said earlier, uh, the question is whether you go cruel or funny first. Right. Very often it's the exact same <laughs> and my thing. question is, what's the difference? But. <laughs> He's got to. Have you guys heard the saying, I've been hearing this a lot more recently, work smart, not hard? Well, I've been hearing that ever since I turned like 48. You know, you're supposed to work smarter, not harder at your age, you know, so. What do you think about that saying? I, I don't like it. Um, it's a bumper sticker saying, you know, it's not, it's, I get it. Latitude. I yeah. get it, but you know, it's, uh, you gotta do both to do anything good. Yeah. You know? I guess I just like personally, like I've always take, no one's ever compliment, complimented me and said, Oh, you work really smart. Yeah. But if someone has ever told me I, I'm a hard worker, like I've taken a lot of pride in that. Well, like as someone who's like run a writing room, I find, you know, there is a way to work. You can work smarter so you don't have to work as hard. Exactly. Okay. You, know, you can, in fact, cut down the amount of bullshit that that stretches out the process. Okay. And therefore, you are working smarter okay. rather than harder, you know. Um, you have firsthand experience of that? Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it t- working smart means learn who everyone is, you know, the same way if you're a basketball coach. You have to. You have learn to. Who to ask what? Well, from. you learn what motive. Yeah, you yeah. learn how to. Someone might need tough love to be motivated. Someone might shut down sure. if you give them that tough love. Sure. You know, so part of working smart is, you know, what what does everyone need to be at their best? You know, 
and can I adjust to that? Yeah. You know, or do they have to adjust to me? You know. Sure. And as much as I can adjust, I'll try to adjust. You know, and that's true in life with me too. Is I, I try to meet people where they live as much as I can. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, let's be honest. You're kind of doing that, doing a podcast with, with Andy Kimbler. Yeah. I mean, I mean but, you really are. Yeah. yeah and yeah, people, exactly. and, and there are people yeah. who are like who have wonder that I can handle that. Yeah. Know? But most and, of your listeners probably probably, but I love Andy. You mm-hmm. know, and and most of his shit amuses me. Mm-hmm. Some of it annoys me, but I can tell him he's annoying me. You know, mm-hmm. he allows me to be myself too. You know, and as long as that happens, as long as we can both be ourselves, I'm fine with that situation. Yeah. It's, it's when people have to start editing themselves in order to just get along that it feels artificial. But I think what's so real with Andy and I is that we clearly love each other. I think you know, as friends, and we both you know allow for each other's bullshit now, mm-hmm. now i will say even though it's self-aggrandizing andy has way more fucking bullshit than me mm-hmm. you know there's way more to handle almost everybody has more bullshit than you Josh. oh thank you yes. <laughs> but uh oh the ultimate compliment oh but, uh, well but he's but he's uh, this guy's a very streamlined guy you know i mean you have good process you don't have a lot of bullshit floating around you're generous with people but firm with people i remember our first rehearsal <laughs> oh so funny well, go ahead what that was, was that so funny he just looks at me after about 10 seconds of me reading something worse than a, a, a bad robot voice, and he goes, that's not going to cut it. Is that what I said? Yeah, something like <laughs> okay. that. You just said, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just, I mean, you just, total contempt for what was, a, for and exactly, you know, it was basically, snap out of it. Well, the, yeah, it was, I'm sure it was like a complete lack of commitment that I was feeling, and that's the only thing you, that... Uh, but, but, it was, but it was a pure lack of commitment. Right, exactly. And no, I'm sure that's why. Because no impur- otherwise, I would have no been hostile There were no impurities in it. my yes. lack of commitment. <laughs> was, oh, but it was just funny. It was exactly what was needed, what was necessary. Right. It wasn't bullshit. I was giving you bullshit. Right. And you called bullshit, so... so you, there was the one I remember is when I gave some note about something and Chris said well that's your problem (laughs) well clearly that can't be your answer if I'm the director of this (laughs) I didn't say it the right way but I think there was truth in the sentiment I don't remember the specifics I don't either so I can't defend it but yeah well have you guys been have you guys been together since your last appearance here two almost two years ago you crossing paths at all no, we talk and text, but we yeah, don't. I don't uh, think so. I don't think we've been no, in the same. Because I haven't room. been. Uh, I haven't been in L.A. and you haven't been. Out, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. No. It's been okay. a couple of years. Okay. But we've been known each other for twenty nine years, so it does. You know, that's a smaller and smaller percentage. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's up time. Yeah. So hey, you know, we just pick up right in the sentence we left off at. You know. <laughs> no. And you met at, was it at Acme that you met? No, we met in my car on the way to a gig in Wisconsin. I picked up Chris, and uh, three hours later, we were friends, pretty much. I don't even think it took that long. I think it took no. about eight minutes. You Chris know, carded like, me at the end well, of the, he, uh, he goes, because he hadn't asked my, you know, and he goes, how old are you? I'm like, 18. He's like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, I'm 18. <laughs> Let me see your ID. <laughs> All right, here. Well, I carded him because I thought he was much older. Because yes. of all the Beatles references and everything. Okay. Yeah. That's why I carded it. No, that's because, what I mean. Yeah, yeah it was uh-huh. like, bullshit, you're 18. Yeah. You know? And it was like, all right, so you know all this shit. <laughs> what a fucked up lie that would have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
But it really, that is a fucked up lie. Yeah. Well, uh, so you were 18, Josh, doing a show with Chris. What was the circumstances back then? I was 36. I was in uh, average middle with a great close. <laughs> average middle with a great close. Yeah. And you were like... I was I was his feature. He was headlining. I was featuring. But uh, cheese uh, curd tour. I believe it was one of the cheese curd tours. Yeah, it was a Scott Hansen tour, and it was. Uh, I started going on the road when I was sixteen. When I was still in high, I would go during like spring break in high school. I did a week in the Dakotas. And Crazy. Actually, sold Boy Scout cookies <laughs> at the same time that he <laughs> was <laughs> doing stand up at night. It's unbelievable, door to door and Boy Scout cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There are no voice guys. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, so by that that time, me being on the road was not a novelty. I can't you? I can't you? How was the? Uh, are you paying attention to feedback that you that people write online for the documentary? I need you to kill. Do you read that stuff? Um, less now. At first, of course, I was, but yeah, but now that it's been out for months, I've moved on. But. I took a glance the other day, and I, it's funny to me the ones that are clearly written in the voice of uh, fans of Tom Segura's podcast. Oh, God. They're, <laughs> right? On the IMDb trivia page, they completely took it over, and it's all just fucked up Tom Segura and Tom podcast <laughs> references. You know, it's almost like a secret twin language they're talking okay so. that's funny yeah but there's a bunch that. of them on, on amazon on the reviews but overall the reviews have been really good yeah i've seen no me so. me too do you have you has the way has the way you describe it to people changed over oh, time question not really really no. love letter to comedy i don't even say that i just say it's it's a you know it's my it's about the stand-up scene in asia and there's three really funny american comics whose eyes you kind of see it through you know okay and when people say, uh, who, who are they? I've never heard of them. I just go, they're really funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell people that if you're at all interested in what it, in what it actually feels like to uh, do and be a stand-up, you know, I mean, not, you know, I mean, just even if it's a casual interest, I think it takes you so into the into the experience of the people because they're forced even the ones they're talented comedians but they're in a totally different environment you know never done anything like it so that so you get so you get the poly i mean you one way or another it really takes you yeah you get to see them scared a little bit too yeah, which is yeah. nice but uh you know I'm and not, you get to root for i mean if you are really curious about i think it's to me, really shows people the emotional life in a pot. I don't know. I, I thought it really shows you what's involved in doing comedy other than the kind of stuff like, uh, you know, that's all inside baseball or stuff. I thought it had a very human look at, like. I've, I haven't watched it in over a year, but. It, um, me either. But, um, you know, when I last watched it, I was like, this feels this feels like the trip. You know, okay. not only does it do you see the trip, but the the feeling of that trip, I feel like I, I captured pretty well. Will there ever be a George Lucas special edition in like 15 years? Uh, no, because you know what? I uh, a I had final cut. So 
I didn't have to make any sacrifices for anyone. Yeah. You know, so everything I wanted in there is there. And B, I didn't have that much extra footage. Okay. I, you know, I sh- only, sh- the movie was shot entirely in 12 days. Yeah. Between, in both here and Asia. Totally. And he's still using the outtakes to blackmail the other guys. <laughs> right. So, so it's like, I really, you know. you know, I really had to get all the meat off the bone. Yeah. With that shoot, you know, because my other doc, you know, it's, it's like five more hard drives, you know. Okay. And where's that one now? That one is very near the end. I'm, it is. I'm writing checks. I finally cleared the last big, long-standing hurdle for music rights. There was a few songs that I really needed in the movie to make me feel okay about it. Okay. Um, and they were the hardest to get. So I, I, I just wrote the checks a couple of weeks ago. And so we're in the real home stretch. And I've hired a company to sort of dot all the I's and cross the T's and deliver it for me. So it's it's very close. I can't tell you where it's going to be, but it'll be out in 19 for sure in some some gettable form. And this is the one about Michael DeBar. Correct. Correct. It's called Michael DeBar, Who Do You Want Me To Be? And it's been this it's so it's a it's been such an albatross <laughs> in my life. Yeah. As I was journey. Pre- as it's I was been a journey. But as I was preaching earlier, you ain't done till you're finished, and I can't feel good about this movie until it's complete and I've done my job and put it into the world. Okay. And I will feel so good when I have, you know? Yeah. Sort of like when I was crowning earlier. Yes. <laughs> it, it is that kind of relief, yeah. you know? It's, I'm also... I'm, it's very tied in right now because I'm, I've just gotten into this very proactive phase of late, and one of the things I'm doing is finally getting back surgery for this back problem I've had for like 10 years. Oh, so, I was just going to ask you, what's next when this is done? And the answer is back surgery? Probably next month it'll be back surgery. Then there'll be the doc about back surgery. Right. <laughs> I need you to walk. <laughs> um, but... Uh, a love letter to back surgery. So I kind of, these two things have become sort of intertwined to me. Yeah. You know, plus, the, you know, I had to work around this back injury walking around Tokyo when I'm shooting this movie and all this stuff. So it's like, and all over Asia with the other movie, you know. And so I had to manage this pain. Sure. You know, so this both of these two, the Debar movie and the back thing are like these two things that have sort of haunted me for the last decade that I'm going to put to bed and I feel good about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Apparently the DeBar movies actually caused the back injury, the weight of it. <laughs> yes. No, but it caused the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is it. My natural reaction to someone to make a joke about cancer is to go, oh, oh but was, it's you making a it joke was about last yourself. Night, too. Yeah, that I was know. everyone's natural reaction to anything sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was a squeamish fucking crowd last night. Yeah, it but, was a little bit. Like You're right. They hung in there, but they uh-huh. were like so sensitive. So maybe tonight I'll just go, Chris, Gosh, tell them how you beat cancer. Chris tell them how you're no John McCain. And Chris just kept steering me to my darkest shit, too. Yeah? Like, do, well, the, do the wild animals killing people now. <laughs> I don't remember how we got to the animals, but I was... Uh, for whatever reason, um, it was uh, they enjoyed that. They enjoyed, and, and particularly the last one about the buck, they really enjoyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they were fine, but it was it was it wasn't there, intentional. There was, was people management to... involved last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of audience feelings and noises to manage. But they had good emotional range. They got back to joy eventually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. After discomfort, uh-huh. were, you know. Well. A, a, a grand finale. You were there. You saw it. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you know, but you know exactly what he's talking about. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Right. I liked that. When but it never felt like rejection. It felt like just oh, that's we're that's our sense of yeah. They yeah. didn't need a safe place. 
Right. Or when uh, Josh said that uh, you should let the crowd know your dog is okay or was okay. You should let the crowd know. That's the reveal. That's what keeps them interested in the story. Is the dog dead? Is the dog... They were all so sad. Yeah, they were all so sad. No, and you know what? The dog knows how to roller skate now (laughs) with his artificial legs. So... Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the podcast, Thought Spiral. Obviously, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I was just telling somebody, and as somebody who hosts a podcast, it scares me that that my attention, I've had a favorite, like 10 different favorite podcasts in the last five years, yeah. let's say. Maybe it's exaggerating a little, but like my number one now is yours. Oh, thank and you. And I'm not just much. saying that because you're standing in front of me. It really is. There's not one I listen to more than Thought Spiral. Well, thank you. Um it hasn't always been. There's been other ones where I've been. It's the one where I never miss. Right now, it's Thought Spiral. I host a podcast, and then, and then that scares me. Like, oh, shit, so how am I? T- how do I get people to listen to every week? And well, uh, you know, like they used to say when, like, uh, like when Mash was on the air, it's like every year people would go off and sample other stuff at the beginning of the season, and then they'd come back to Mash. Yeah, you know, but people have to go out and. Try to you know because people have to shake things up in their own life and that's an easy thing to change mm-hmm. you know? so yeah yeah one of mine uh, one of my favorites you'll get sick of us very soon I'm sure <laughs> it hasn't happened yet well that's nice it hasn't happened yet and that's even with two hour episodes yes <laughs> I'm, I want to ask you about that too now like I've had people say to me uh, like friends of mine that I'll go I'm like have you ever even listened well you know I mean I listen to podcasts but yours is just if it was a half an hour I like half an hour podcast it's just it's too long I don't want an hour I want it to fit into my drive and I've had you know other people say similar things like no short is better and then others were like oh no two hours and it's not enough not not for my podcast but for others right yeah well you know people use it I think a lot of people use it as atmosphere in their lives you know like you would talk radio yeah and so I mean, you know, because what we do has no real structure, we've we've sort of artificially imposed some structure on it over over the year and a half we've done it now, so that you know the second hour is usually listener questions, mm-hmm. the first hour is us freestyling, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I wrestle. You know, no one complains when they're long. So, and all I can do at this point is is respond to the people who are responding yeah there you, you know go what i mean it's like we have this really nice group of people who listen to our show and they're pretty and they're pretty interactive and pretty responsive to us and we get a lot of emails and, yeah you know and pe- so and tons and tons of people talk about how you know special it's become to them you know and none of them complain about the length of it and if you didn't you get know. an email weekly from like uh yoshi yamamoto would you do you have an emergency contact for any of these people if they go missing there's a couple who i would check in there was one early on that i kind of i keep an eye on there was a guy named casanova frankenstein yes uh, yes who uh he got really busy in his life, and so he didn't have time to like make memes for us. 20, okay, you know, ten times. And you were a little concerned. And I was like, "Oh, did we alienate him, or was it you know, so. or is he off his meds?" <laughs> well, that's well, what you were sort of. <laughs> I, you know, as someone who worked at a uh, at a popular radio show for about thirteen years, I understand super fans, right? And well, there's a bo- you know there are boundary things too, and I've gotten a couple of emails where I've kind of had to 
extend some boundaries. Is that right? Go, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, and it's natural to happen because what Andy and I are doing is so intimate, you know. We are revealing a whole bunch of shit about ourselves to people. Oh, know? yeah. And, and in a way, that's an invitation to come on in, mm-hmm. you know, but it's artificial, you know. So as much as I love that it affects people in a positive way, I also need to have a boundary between me and someone who thinks that I'm talking directly to them or someone who feels like, you know, we're friends now, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible that we could be friends, but this relationship does not qualify as a friendship. You know, this is me, you know, even if you pour out your soul in an email, it's not an equal, you know, it's still, you have too much power in this situation. I'm not going to approach a relationship this way, you know. Now, something in podcasts that I've uh, often, the ones that haven't, I often skip by commercials. Like, this podcast doesn't have commercials. You don't need to skip past any. Yours doesn't have any commercials to skip by. Another thing that I've skipped past in commercial uh, podcasts in the past is music. Yeah. And I don't do that for yours because I gave it a chance. And I'm... How do I say this? I'm pleasantly surprised at how much I like the stuff that you're playing from your wife. And, like, it's yeah. not mainstream stuff I've heard before or stuff that you've done. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a been a part of my life for a long time, but it's never been something that I've never wanted to be a musician See, no, professionally. I, That's no, never been an ambition. Of from your appearances on this podcast, we've talked here and there about, like, you've performed some music and stuff, but I never, and your wife, you've talked a little bit about her, but I never knew it was as big or that it was that important to you. Yeah. Now I get it from yeah, listening to the show. I mean, the last several years we haven't been playing much, but um, but, you know, it's been a really nice thing in our life you know and I, it's always a good barometer too because if you can be in a band with someone you sure as hell can be married to them oh I suppose <laughs> you know, yeah. it's harder to be in a band with someone than married almost yeah you know? so uh it's been uh, it's been a really cool part of our life and in some ways that's how we got together my i had a band with paul feig and dave gruber allen and this cover band and my wife had an actual record deal at the time and uh so, so she started sitting in with us because we were all working at the same place, and uh, which and that, is why he had the band to get chicks. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, but then it, you know, the, the, my band fell apart at the same time her record deal and her band fell apart. So we just kind of merged the best parts of both together. Oh yeah, yeah. And so uh, actually, we didn't. There were better musicians in her band that we didn't invite <laughs> and she came with my fun people <laughs> we don't have room for you you're too good actually all, all, all my people and her is what it was but <laughs> but it's been fun and we, she and i have started playing together recently just she and i it, doing a little duo kind of thing just in the house so you're gonna go well, out yeah in, we have a public we have before? a music room and we you know we've played out just at a couple things you know like my mother-in-law had a thing and we said, all right, we'll play a song, you know, but no, I'm, you know, we're at this point, I don't like playing out. Isn't that much more fun than just playing. Playing in, yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. The whole thing is getting it to sound good, you know? And once we get it at a place where we think we're doing something unique and not hacky, you know, and not amateurish, then we'll go out and play it. Is there a difference between the writing a, a joke and performing it for the first time versus coming up with some music and having people hear that for the first time? Like, um, music is easier in the sense that there's a lot of appropriate responses to music, and there's only one to a joke. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Unless you get to repeat the chorus, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. But so it's not. There's not. You're not out on the same kind of limb. Okay. With a, with songs. Any nerves involved? Um, not really. No. He's I mean, singing McCartney on this show. That's true. The man has. I'm, uh, I'm a brazen man. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I'm pretty brazen. Uh-huh. Lack of nerve is not his problem. No, you're right. And I've been that way my whole life. I've I've never been afraid to sing in front of people, even though I I don't have a great voice. I have a decent you have a, voice. Uh, you have you have a really uh, you have a voice that sounds like you. I think you're a really good singer myself. Well, thank you, but it's. I think I'm a decent. I'm, I think I'm a decent singer with a not special voice. How about you know that? how to get the most out of your hmm. voice. Okay. That. Like my wife has like a standout voice. Clearly. Yeah. Yes. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the difference. Yeah. It's, you know, I can I can convey music. My wife has a really great voice. You know? I'm also amazed uh, how many times you give a full description of the song you're about to play on Thought Spiral. The song airs, and then Andy said, "Who was that singing?" <laughs> So you're giving a full description like that guy on the on the uh, like that witness. You've got too many details. It is. It is no. It's just <laughs> part of our show has become a document of Andy's early stage dementia. But <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh yeah. And then I had to. Uh, I felt a little closer to you when you lost an episode a few weeks back. Did you? Thank you. Very yeah. Much. Like all right. Well, now now he knows how that feels. Oh God, did that suck? Yeah. But you redid it. We did. You so redid we it. We did our first Skype show. Mm-hmm. But I was heartbroken and really mad at myself for about 24 hours. Then I shook it off. But because it was your... I hate fucking up. Yeah. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Hate it. <laughs> yeah. And there was no chance of just taking the week off. It's this you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get the taste out of your we mouth, would. Right? I mean, the amount of people who would complain about it to us... And they would do it in the spirit of love, mm-hmm. you know, like we miss you kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I just feel like if we can do one, we're going to do one. I just feel like this artificial pressure I've set for myself because it was funny because it's like it almost spooked me. But it's like when when I was out talking to Segura before I started, he's like, the only rule is just be consistent. Mm-hmm. Deliver it every week, you know, and I took that to heart. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, but it's also just a challenge, you know, and I'm still, I'm honest to God, just amazed that Kindler committed to this like this. Yeah. You, you guys know. have been consistent. Like he's excited to come do it. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm just amazed every week. I'm like, we've done this 76 times. <laughs> yeah. Know? And it's like, not like you, you know, have the exact same schedules every week, no, but we knew that Monday night would be the safest night. You yeah. Know? That so 90% of the shows are, are Monday night. Okay. Now, the most recent one I listened to was, was what, 75? Right? Yes. Yeah. And you guys talked about giving each other homework. Is that going to, what do you think? That did happen. I've, we've recorded 76, and yes. And it happened? So, yes. Okay. And he actually watched uh, this week. It was, uh, he had, I made him watch the Blues Brothers. Uh, because he'd, he'd, never, seen he'd it. never seen it. Yeah. And that's what this homework thing is, is filling little cultural holes. Mm-hmm, I like that. And what did he make you do? Uh, I listened to Mitch Hedberg's album. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Um, something by myself or I can't remember what it's called um, which I'd you know I'd seen plenty of Mitch Hedberg but I'd never listened to his album straight through before and it was uh, it was great you know it was interesting in a lot of ways because there was and I'll talk about it on, on the podcast more but um, that's right you'll have to tune into the podcast oh, okay. I, uh, no problem I um, I didn't know he recorded it here but within about three jokes I could tell he recorded it here I just know this room so well. Uh, it does have a distinct sound. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, and I know the audiences too because they weren't yep. they weren't giving it up for everything. They weren't, you know. But it was like, oh, that sounds like Acme. That's Acme. And then you know, I, and then he mentioned, you know, Minneapolis at one time. Yeah, yeah. But I could hear it. It was so cool. That's really cool. How often are you listening to comedy albums? Um, not almost never. If almost I, never, know, right? If it's if it's a I've, it has to be a friend, you know. Like I listened to Chad Daniels' last one. I listened to I think Jackie Cation's last one. I listened to you know. Yeah. Um, so I can, you know, when I recommend it on Twitter, I can be genuine about it. All right. That's good. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I don't love it. I don't love listening to stand up, <laughs> but it was interesting. I mean, the Hedberg thing was interesting to me because I did, it changed some of my feelings about him and not, not in a good or bad way, but it's just like, I, in my head, he was always sort of like a direct descendant of Stephen Wright. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but listening to his stuff, it's like there's plenty of Seinfeld in him too. There's mm. plenty of him dissecting minutia and and doing that. Yeah. Kind of, oh know. yeah. Um, very observational, you know, list of joke kind of things. And you know, I could also tell that he just he was still a young comic. He was, you know, the quality was up and down, yeah. you know, and the editing skills, you know, had he, you know, if I were to hear him 10 years later, I think it would have been a different set. Interesting. Because you could tell that he was self-conscious about too many one-liners, and so he was sort of artificially building material around the great joke sure. on the same topic. So not totally in his voice yet. Not totally in his voice, and just not, the quality was just up and down, so the rhythm was off, you know, he would, the tags weren't always funnier than the joke, and the... Um, the uh, that sounds a lot like my comedy. It was, CD, it was which just, I listen to over and over and over. <laughs> only one that I listen to. But you could see, you could just see the Notebook page. I guess yeah, is what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Okay, you know he was he was basically the joke consisted of what he brainstormed on a Notebook page, and you could see all the jokes on the page. Okay, you know, and some of them were first thought theater, and some of them were you know more <laughs> developed. But you saw the process. Uh-huh. And got to the joke. Okay, so you know I really you know it, it, he he was an incredible talent and super funny and just a really compelling character for sure for but, sure uh i never had done that much thinking about him so, <laughs> okay know. okay do you have do you have that you guys come up with the next assignments for each other you don't uh we did i can't remember what they are but i've had to order mine from amazon so i, I know it's it, oh it, now there's gonna be money it involved. came just before the uh it came just before the thing I th- oh he's watching big lebowski what and uh what that he's never seen it you mean? Yeah. yeah i know <laughs> and uh uh, and I'm watching a more esoteric indie film from the 90s. I can't remember whose it was. Jeez. The Big Lebowski. Andy. Huh. Not even seen it on television. That's insane. It's insane. So many reasons. He said, he had, seen he said he had seen a, a little bit of it on a plane once and then and bailed. So I was like, all right, well, you gotta, you gotta watch it. Okay. I just saw. Um I want your guys' opinion on this. The uh, you know my job over at the XL Center. I you know work all the a lot of events over there. Tonight I'll be there working the uh, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters concert. Yeah, um, they just announced Trevor Noah is coming to the XL Energy Center. Wow. To do comedy. Wow. Now this place seats. You know, if they leave every seat open, it's eighteen thousand something or sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand. I uh, bet they don't. Yeah, they don't. sure they cut they it in half. It, right? Yeah, and then it's still you know half of that or so. That's a lot of people. It is. 
comedy in an arena. What do you guys think? You, Chris, you performed well, in front I've of performed the- in arenas, but not doing comedy. But I think you can comfortably go up to ten thousand. I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, people are playing those kind of rooms. I don't see Trevor Noah being his demeanor being a room filler like that. That's. I mean, that's the weird thing. Yeah. That, you know, there's nothing larger than life about him in order to sort of fill the the mental space. You know. Uh huh. But Cinemax Titanic, we did. A, we had this arena that we played five times in St. Louis, and we, we would play to like one end of the arena. Okay. Yeah. Um. But it's a different. It feels different. The the laughter goes straight up. It doesn't come at you. Yeah. Um, the biggest I've ever done stand up for is like four thousand, and even that feels different than the like a twelve hundred. We were talking about this the other night. Yeah, like a twelve hundred seat room to me or twenty five is even pretty cool. But you start pushing over. You start pushing up over three thousand. You start feeling the distance it changes the changes your timing because you can almost literally feel the joke delay the joke goes the laugh goes to the back of the room and then comes back at you and you need to let that happen or the silence goes to the back right (laughs) but it it does change the timing of everything yeah um and you can you know you can kind of muscle through some of it but you don't want to because you want to you want a natural rhythm to be there yeah. but you don't know if your natural rhythm is the same as what they're feeling yeah you have you know? to change your rhythm for the, you have to slow down sure I so no I assume run into each other I assume other people are performing with him at this show they haven't announced that so, yeah you know. well who knows well, that's a lot he of tickets to video sell reinforced but he's got a he's got a TV show so yeah. and he's good <laughs> I mean I, I I think his I think he, I, his I read some excerpts from his book they were very interesting oh okay I mean I have not. his his uh, whole story being born biracial in South Africa is pretty interesting and uh, I, I think he's grown decently I mean I don't see his show all the time yeah I, I never clips. watch anymore but, but but the stuff I've seen was uh, you know some of it's just snark funny but a lot of it's just oh that's an international perspective let's put it that way mm, yeah, or yeah. a non international is not the right word global perspective that's that's pro- obviously that was my thought that's why they hired him but if you work it text me and tell me how it went I will for I'm sure curious. yeah <laughs> it's not until next point. spring like February March something like that curious if how many tickets he can move yeah but I've worked you know I've worked at that stadium since it opened and there's never been as far as I can remember never been a, a show, show like this yeah not a it's happening though you know like I know Aziz was here last week or something. But like, yeah, in uh, Acme. <laughs> but but he plays arenas. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, frequently. He plays and ten thousand certain, seats, I would think. Certainly, Russell Peters has been selling out. Well, big ass places all over the world. Uh, Gabriel uh, Iglesias. Yeah, he plays huge places. Yeah, with his whole entourage. But those guys are all big, larger than life guys. That's the that's in what's Gabriel's weird. Gabriel's case, that's, literally. <laughs> yes. He came to a show when I was doing a Segura at, at the Ice House. He came out and watched a Segura set. Nice, nice guy. He seems like yeah. it. How are those shows opening for Segura? I love opening. I love his crowds. You've grown. You've gone on the road with him, right? Yeah, he lets me cherry pick good gigs with him. I did. I did like a six show thing in Salt Lake City with him last month, and um. It's, I really like his crowds because you can you can fucking say anything to yeah. them and they will roll with it. You know, you, they don't have what we had last night doesn't exist in Segura's <laughs> right. crowd because they know the McCain joke kills. This is not for <laughs> this is not for the sensitive. You know? Right. So, but they're smart too. You know, and so 
I, I really like I've I've had nothing but good shows in front of his people. That's awesome. And I saw you, uh, which is an arrogant thing to say. <laughs> that's, that's not how I meant to say. Nah, I've enjoyed every show in front of his people. <laughs> they can decide if I've had good shows. You just did a show with Chad Daniels, right? I did this LA week on Monday night. Yeah, at the at a theater called Largo, which is a great spot. That uh, it was his first time there. Yeah, yeah. And I literally I said, hey, I I asked him. I just said, hey. I want to work. You know, I haven't, let's hang. Can I open for you on that gig? And he was like, "Please." You know, so very cool. So, or would you like to see these outtakes on YouTube? <laughs> I got nothing on them that I didn't put in. Yeah, you used it. <laughs> you took his most his darkest moments and just I felt salted no. the film with yeah. them. There are some scenes from the movie that I don't know if there's uh, you know video of but there's definitely stuff that was described on episodes of this podcast that didn't make it there was this thing there was this running joke where they had basically harassed these two korean girls on our on a, mm-hmm. on a uh, hydrofoil across mm-hmm. the, and it just became this sort of catchphrase but yeah the footage of it was bad you know and at best Show, they, they look like asshole americans you know they just look like such assholes that, and they, you know especially in me tooville which you know uh-huh it, they would have come off bad and it was more innocent than that I, well but, if you hear them because each of the guys pete chad and tom all described it in their own words on episodes of this podcast right so i have three different versions the then i think yours just say ho yeah know, my butthole yeah and, and uh <laughs> It's good-natured when they describe it. It was good-natured, and because it just became this big catchphrase. Yeah, well, guys you know. always think it's good-natured, don't guys? <laughs> Oops. But, it, you know, like I said, on film, it just kind of looks ugly. Yeah. Ugly American harassing very innocent girls. And then the other thing that didn't, I don't, that, well, no, I know that's not in the doc, is uh, Pete having a scare from stage with a guy... Yeah, that was for his safety. I didn't put it. There in, may have uh, been some uh, lives being threatened that he's was, described on the podcast. Here. Yeah, and there's more shit happened after I left that night too. Apparently, but because uh, they were all leaving from there to go back to America, and I was staying in Hong Kong for yeah. a few more days to shoot some coverage. And uh, but Pete got on stage, and there was like, like this, like fantasy mobster almost. There, you know, white suit. You know, Chinese mobster, like the guy who, like the guy who's going to kill Indiana Jones at the beginning of yes! the second movie. Yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he's also, you know, but it's like incredible, stupid. You know, like there were guys in this casino with just the stupidest expressions of wealth. You know, this is just before China started cracking down on corruption, and everyone stopped showing these ostentatious uh-huh. things really? of wealth. Yeah. So that it really hurt Macau too. Um, but Pete was talking to this guy in the audience, and the guy wasn't that coherent. And so Pete started making fun of him, kind of. And you could feel the room change. And I actually have guys on camera going like this. Oh, you do? To, yeah. Like, as a, one of my cameras was panning across watching this, and they're going. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I couldn't put that guy in the movie because he he may have had the means to hunt down me or Pete. Right, <laughs> that's a good rule of comedy. And we said, and it wasn't rules. that great. Of, you know, again, you know, if I could have made something really work on film, I might add a different thing. But I didn't have the coverage to really sure make a moment of it. I worked with a comic twenty five years ago, straight who was an older guy, had his own club in Florida somewhere. 
guy sitting down front with a couple of bookend-sized bodybuilders next to him uh-huh. who were his uh, security guards. And he said something to the guy, and they broke both his legs. Huh? What? They At his own club, they pulled him off the stage, and they broke both his legs. And uh, I took that as, like... There is the line you don't cross in comedy. You don't pick on the powerless, and you don't tell a joke that can get both your legs broken. <laughs> right. Those are good yeah. boundaries. Yeah. There's Jeez. a lot of room between those. Yeah, I know? guess. So Josh edited the leg breaking out. The other thing about the – I have to say, just as a filmmaker, I, I had so set up everything in Macau to, to, to lead to Segura's – joke on the other two, if yeah. you recall. Oh, that was mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. That, uh, oh. that I, I wasn't going to distract because I had been setting up that joke, the, you know, by laying in those other things. Mm-hmm. You know, just so you'd know exactly yeah. what he was doing when he was doing it. Mm-hmm. So It was interesting, but it was it a was, story. That, that yeah. So that was the story that I was following at that moment. So I didn't want to do anything to pull from it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there anything? I'm looking at the time here. We've been doing this for about an hour, like half of a thought spiral. Right. Yeah. It feels like nothing. <laughs> I've been in a now thought spiral. Now it's time spiral to play one of my songs. <laughs> Should we take a break? Should we take yes. a break? That's when we go smoke pot, right? Sometimes. Wink, wink. Sometimes, but not always. And then I come back and I do a Dick Cheney impression. <laughs> what? what? Am I supposed to do a Dick Cheney impression? <laughs> one of these times I'm oh, going to... One of these times I'm going to be on Twitter when you send out uh, the, hey, we're taking questions, and I'm going to actually send you one on time. It's always, virtually always around uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on Monday night that I'll post that. Yeah. Yeah. I always see it usually like 11. Like, oh, I just missed that. They're already Well, we record at 9, 9 L.A. time. Okay, well, maybe I, should, maybe I so would make have, it then. You, as long as it's in by midnight Eastern. All right. We'll get, we'll, we'll get it. I'll, it'll, yeah. That's good to know. All right. Expect one. It's coming. Good. It's coming. Good. Anything you on? ask good questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, what am I talking about? i got to save them all for this. Um, anything else we should be mentioning? Obviously, people need to come out. It's Thursday, so you know, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Come here to Acme to see you guys for maybe the last time together. I think probably. Again, until one of us has a medical emergency and needs a benefit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I only have one kidney. I haven't checked your blood type or any of that yet. But no. <laughs> uh, you probably, uh, you, you know, I offered Schimmel a bone marrow transplant when he came, had cancer. No. And I mean, I for meant, real? Yeah, I meant it. I said, if you ever come to that, please call me. I'll be happy to be tested. And I meant it, you know. And I didn't see him for like four years later. I see him at Montreal. And the first thing he says is, I never forgot. And I totally forgot. Right. <laughs> I never forgot that. And, he got, and I said, what? And he said, about the bone marrow, and I just uh, and and uh, so I had said, Robert, look at you, look at me. What are the odds of a match? <laughs> <laughs> I said that was shit without the mess, Bob. So. <laughs> so you can have my kidney. Okay, okay? thank you, thanks, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great place to end. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you. Boom.